We know that building and running a company is hard work and that its success requires great leadership. Because we believe people can achieve incredible things, we want to shine a light on those people who are improving their organizations. Join us as Core Talent's Laura King invites presidents, CEOs, and executives to share their stories on how they have transformed their business and implemented unique strategies to ensure its success. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. Here's your host, Laura King. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. We are here today with Heather Manley. Heather is involved in several businesses. One of them is Crooked Water Spirits for all of those uh, those uh, liquor lovers out there. Um, Heather founded Crooked Water Spirits in 2013. It's an award-winning national spirits line that produces unique craft spirits, including bourbons, gins, vodkas, brandy, and a ready-to-pour old-fashioned. That sounds delicious. These spirits of the North can be found in six states and over 500 liquor stores, restaurants, airlines, and gathered over 50 awards nationally. Focused on innovation, quality, and experience, Crooked Water Spirits looks to scale with integrity, high value, while remaining 100% women-owned and self-funded. They grew over 300% in 2018 with strategic partnerships and have been WeBank certified since 2014. To learn more, go to crookedspirits.com, which we will include in the show notes. Heather also purchased On Demand Group, a technology consulting company and a family business in 2008 with her brother, Sean Manley. They have since led the organization through significant growth and expanded the business clientele to reach global markets by offering offshore solutions in Southeast Asia. Under their leadership, this global business has generated over $100 million in revenue since 2008. She attributes their growth to their outstanding team and sticking to their mission of partnering with clients who align with their morals and ethics and appreciate transparency, honesty, and partnership. WeBank certified since 2008, ODG provides IT resources for contract, contract to hire, and direct hire needs, as well as offshore services. Heather volunteers her time and energies to advance the economic development interests and opportunities for women business owners in Minnesota, as well as with the Rotary. From 2011 to 2014, Heather was the board president for NABO, Minnesota, where she helped establish the Minnesota Women Business Owners Hall of Fame. I didn't mention this, but Heather also owns Heather's Dirty Goodness, which is a boutique spice company. So Heather, we're going to dive into each one of your businesses, but at the outset, I mean, that just seems like a lot going on. Um, in, in an average day, are you switching between each of the businesses? How, how do you manage your time? Yeah, uh, poorly. Um, but I have a great team. So what's really nice is that even though I feel like I'm working maybe like 8.30 to 10 every day, um, and that's 10 p.m., but my brother will joke that it's 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m., um, uh, but I have a great team where I can delegate things to, where I know where my 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 butt is in the right seat within all of these companies, and leaning on my areas of weakness and, and hiring to my areas of weakness to ensure that um, everything gets done and gets done in the right way. Um, and you know, the, you know, 
what I what I'm really um, focused on is also is being in uh, creating companies that are passion based, right? So even though I am working eight thirty to ten, uh, I absolutely love what I'm building, right? It's a complete joy to be able to throw the ball in the air and. Um, like I said, I was listening to the Matthew McConaughey. He has a great speech, and it's about you know uh, happiness versus joy, and happiness is built on the end result of something which we then just raise the ante on, and it's really hard to chase. Whereas if you can find joy in the everyday um, exploration, um, you'll find that you're a lot more um, satisfied and happy. Um, and so, uh, and having companies that are around family, which is on-demand group. And um, food, which is uh, Heather's Dirty Goodness, and spirits and wine, which is Crooked Water Spirits, I am giving all my time to things that I'm passionate about, which then inevitably bring me joy. Did you think, I mean, not that anyone thinks about this when they're you know, 10, 12 years old, but when was the point in your life that you realized, I, I have this sort of entrepreneurial bug? Um. I uh, I didn't. I don't. I um, I just have a passion for. Um, well, I mean, or is it a passion for creating? I think it's a passion for creating because I used to be the girl in the dreads, the pink and blue dreads, and the fatties going to raves, and I always had um, an an uh, an external um, or an internal show of creativity, and uh, and what I ended up doing is when I came into on demand group. And, and only because I wanted to work with my dad, it wasn't I want to be a business owner. I really didn't even know what that meant. Um, I just wanted to work with family because that's my number one passion. Um, I then, um, I well, way before that, I had cleaned up my act. But uh, I took that desire to not be a lemming and be part of the pack and pushed that towards the companies. And I think that's why um, they they have grown the way that they have. So both of your two main businesses are in crowded spaces. Yeah. How do you differentiate? Let's talk about on-demand group. I mean, IT. You can't swing a suit coat without hitting somebody that owns an IT company, right? How do you how do you differentiate? How do you compete? Um, well, unfortunately, I think that um, the way that we do business is a big differentiator. I run my business along the Rotarian four way test, um, and uh, what's that? It is. Is it fair to everybody involved? Is it the truth? Does it bring um, or Bring goodwill, uh, stronger partnerships, and um, uh, better community. I mean, I'm butchering it, but it's it's those core values. Um, and being raised and born and raised in Rotary, uh, you know, you learn very early on the right things to do and how to treat people, and um, and and what can happen if you don't treat them well, and um, how it makes people feel. And um, and unfortunately, I don't think a lot of business owners um, in a lot of spaces run on high integrity with a mission to make everyone feel good and be fair. Like I I have open books. I'll I've told my clients, you want to know my markup, ask me. It's going to be fair for what I do. It's not going to be gouging you. And there's not a lot of people that, you know, even in uh, when I was with my distributor, here's my cost, here's my markup. What's your markup? We all need to win together. Uh, and I asked him the biggest the biggest distributor in the country, and then and I said, "Well, is this on par for what people do for markup?" You know, I've done my own research and my own thinking, but what do I know? And um, he said, "No one's ever shown me their books," and I find that absolutely ridiculous because I don't like to play games. I like to get, let's get in, let's get it done, let's be transparent, let's be fair. If you're not going to be fair, then we probably shouldn't work together in the first place. 
So you find that not that that's a that I mean to me that sounds absolutely refreshing, and I don't see that very often in business. And that's sad. So that is your differentiator, right? So outside of the human side. Uh, the core values that we like for sure have examples of living to. Um, we've been very diversified too. So that offshore side, the uh, individual consulting side, the project consulting side, um, we heavily invest in our people. We're not hiring junior people. We're hiring people that we're paying for their pipeline. We're paying for their expertise. And I am more excited about investing in the company and the people than in myself, right? Through uh, dividends or a big salary. I'll say most of the people in my company have a bigger salary than I do. Um, and, uh, and honestly, without the people, the company doesn't work, right? I can try all day, but I'll, I'll fail. So I'm, um, wanting to understand the story of how Crooked Butter Spears even came to be. Cause I think yeah. that's a prob- probably a really interesting story. So can you, can it's you really tell our listeners? Really simple story. Um, so I had a beautiful product that I absolutely adored and it was a dill aquavit and, um, a, what? a dill aquavit. Okay. And it was 50 pounds of dill per batch. And so you can imagine the amount of flavor on that, um, on that batch. And it, for me, it was like an eye awakening moment. It was, uh, oh my gosh, there's a, you know, I was a big foodie. I knew the difference between organic and um, a farm and a store. But to know that there was the same difference, a micro and a macro difference in alcohol, blew my mind. I was drinking such crap before that, right? Um, and so I went home and thought, well, gosh, what what could I do that nobody else is doing? Because that, that Dill Aquavit to me was like having a, uh, strawberry out of the garden versus out of the store. And I used to pay my boyfriend in a ton of scotch in the very beginning hustling days because we couldn't pay him a ton. I met him when I was 18, so we've known each other forever. Um, and I had an amazing scotch selection. And what I realized is that all of my favorite scotches were cask finished. And when I did my research, nobody was doing a sherry cask in the country. One company was doing uh, port. So I launched a port and a sherry within um, about 12 months of having the idea. And I got there by just understanding what product I wanted to make, um, knowing that it could not exist or be very limited in access um, regionally. Um, And then I called a dozen distilleries, interviewed them, gave my NDA, uh, tried their product, talked about their core values, scalability, quality, and then inevitably ended up in Madison, Wisconsin. And then they all sold out right away. I only had like six barrels and I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, you know, hindsight, I maybe would have invested a lot more, a lot, a lot quicker, but I'll tell you, I didn't have any money then. Um, I didn't have a line of credit. This was all cash out of pocket. Um, and it pretty much still is. I have 60000 of debt and the rest is a little cash I give the company here and there and or it's self-sustaining on its own cash. I mean, I have 200 plus barrels in inventory. That takes a long time to build up. That's, mm-hmm. you know, about 2 million in um in revenue. Um and there's not a lot of companies that um are able, you know, if you're if you're self-funded, it's really hard to do. So that took me about 5 years to get to and in the meantime then I made the clears. So I kind of started with bourbon opposite of every distillery here. And then said, well, geez, while I invest in my bourbon program and start building it up from scratch, I need to now make a vodka, an aged vodka that only requires a year of aging, um, and my gins, and and then start working on other bourbons. And now we have two ready pours and a groni in the old fashioned. 
Um, and now we have 10 SKUs. 10 SKUs, uh, that's a little dated, seven states, um, you know, best bourbons in Nevada awards. It's been um, really humbling because, like, I'm not from this world. But when we bring in a different mindset to a very stagnant, comfortable industry, um, it's really easy to disrupt. So how big is the company in terms of number of employees today? So uh, ODG is 140. Um, Crooked Water is two. 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 Yeah, me and Teresa. Okay. <laughs> what do you see? H- hence the tired eyes. <laughs> yeah. The, what do you see Crooked Water yeah, even two, three years from now? Well, I see, you know, around, we're probably around 3,500 cases right now. Um, next year we should, you know, I see about probably 30% growth every year, 40% growth, if not more, depending on what we can sell, what states we get into. I'm really trying to just own my backyard, but some of this growth has been just organic by um, multi-state partnerships. Um, but I think when you get to around the um, seven to 10,000 cases, you know, just like Tattersall, <clears throat> I don't know, I think they more recently capped, just reached over the 10,000 cases. Um, that's really fun. Business gets really fun, right? You can start making more investments. You can uh, maybe open a tasting room, right? Um, I uh, appreciate my partnership in Madison, but there's always it's always a great opportunity to maybe have a place where people can try the I was spirits. Say, so for those interested, curious uh, folks who are maybe thinking, "Gosh, I, I want to get my hands on some of this." So yes, where, where? where can you where can you get it here? Well, we do have an app within our website nearest you. Um, that's also a local company, which is awesome. And you put in your zip code, and then you scroll down, and you'll see where our products are. Otherwise, you can just email me, uh, info at Crooked Water Spirits or Heather at CrookedWaterSpirits.com. And um, I'll forward you to the account manager, and she knows where everything is, the brand manager. Um, but we're in any Target that sells booze, Haskell's, Kowalski's, um, on the peripheral, the Walmarts that sell booze, um, North Loop Wine and Spirits, which is women-owned downtown, Ace Spirits, South Lindale Liquors, France 44 is a great supporter. Now, I don't claim to know a ton about this industry, but what I've heard um, through some friends, actually, I think it's they're in the, in the brewing industry, but it, like the distribution is the hardest piece. Oh, the struggle is real. And that's why so many people have cocktail rooms, because to get distribution and to get a spot on that shelf, unless it's incredibly differentiated, is, I mean, I know people that open to distilleries and then they couldn't get anyone to rep them as a distributor. And that's horrifying. All that investment, that sweat and tears, the the accountability of family and friends, the accountability of people that actually outside investors, and you can't even get on a shelf. You can't even find someone who will say, yes, I'll rep you. Um, and so I think a lot of the um a lot of the distilleries have understood that to get until they can get to the game of five to ten thousand cases. Um, they have to self-distribute out of their um, cocktail room and they have to sell cocktails. There's a lot of money to be had in that. But then you're also running a bar, right? Which is a whole other business. Like, I don't want to run a bar. I, I, if I could only serve my friends and like great people that loved elevated spirits, but more than likely I can't afford a nice uppity location. So it's like, I'm gonna, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that, un, that unknown. Right. So then how were you able to get into the targets? Well, we were the first product, we were the first distillery uh, or spirits brand to launch a bourbon in Minnesota. 
right? So we had a, I have a lot of firsts, the first uh, aged vodka, the first new American gin, uh, because we launched so early compared to everybody else. Uh, Panther was the only distillery here up north. Um, I, don't, I don't remember where, what city, um, but they hadn't released anything yet. And so have, being, being a woman, incredible differentiator. There's, it's so male-dominated. Um, and then also being someone that loves creating products. I have, you know, I'm whiskey psalm certified out of Kentucky as well as out of Texas. I love profiles. I love putting flavor profiles together. I know everybody needs a story um, to understand how to get other people to be excited about it, right? And, and then creating products that aren't on the shelf. Uh, that is how we've gotten into Walmart. That's how we got into um, Target. Um, and with great, with great trusted, authentic partnerships. I mean, these are people that I've had over to my house for just gatherings because they're not only, um, and that's how I run all my businesses. They're not only people that I work with, but they're people that I have friendships with, mm-hmm. and and that they'll tell me when my baby's ugly, right? And and I'll tell them if their baby's ugly, and that uh-huh. that to me is a great that's a sign of a true friendship, right there, right? We, we and it's it's a sign of where things get done and they get done in the right way when you are. Okay, hearing the hard stuff as you know, and, and as well as this good stuff. You know, all the character shows when things are hard, mm-hmm. and so you want to make sure that inevitably it's going to get hard. Uh, let's make sure you're partnering with people that are going to get your back. Mm-hmm. So you've had people like right here having spirits and just oh yeah, bread. yeah, absolutely. So I do. I so what's really fun is that Crooked Water is. You know, I can't do this IT with IT because it's human capital, and I can't. Sure. I just can't give away people's time. Um, but I can give away experiences. So I don't donate bottles ever. So don't ask me. Very rarely, but I donate experiences, and experiences are more fulfilling to me, to the to the Crooked Water Company, to the nonprofit, and to the people that are buying it. And so we've helped raise over forty grand by just selling dinners at my house that I cook for, and we do a full tasting. Usually, it's outside. Some I've done a couple in here, um, where we walk through the entire line of product. Educate. I've had my distributors out here for like a kickoff. Um, I love entertaining, and in the summer, you know, all this opens, and it's meant to. It's meant to bring people here. Like the only requirement I had, I too, I wanted a gas lantern. <laughs> I don't know why it was in my head, and then uh, I wanted a table that could fit twelve people, so that it felt. And you can see right when you walk in, right. you, you can tell what's my value mm-hmm. system: mm-hmm. food. And family. And I wish all of actually we'll take a picture of you um, and put it on, on the website. But we are literally, in, I mean, in this beautiful home. So, I mean, just like the, the I mean, it's seven degrees out today in lovely Minnesota, but sun is shining. The, the atmosphere is absolutely about comfort and, um, I mean, yes, bringing people together. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, how about, um, you know, with with all that you've got going on, uh, I know you. You know, you, you spent quite a bit of time with Nabo, quite a bit of time with the Rotary. But where else do you find? Um, I don't want to necessarily call them mentors, but like, where do you learn? Well, um, and who do you learn from? I keep. Uh, well, one, I keep an amazing collection of women that I continue to add to, and I have. You know, one party here a year that's really inspiring of, you know, there's probably about 60 women on the list and um, it's, you know, everyone brings something and we're all just connecting. And a lot of people from there have done business together, have 
established relationships outside of me, which I think is fantastic. Um, so it's having a really good, robust um, network that you can call on. Um, and I've literally asked people who are in areas that I, I admire, who have built things that I admire, that I, I, you know, I know I have a personal cap on leadership and, um, and really admire people who, are, who can do certain things that I know would be a real struggle for me. So then uh, those are the kind of people that I reach out to. Uh, I just pick up the phone and I call and ask them if they're game to network. Um, I build relationships with them and you know say, will you be an advisor on my board? Because just you're you're you fit some major areas of weaknesses for me, and I just want to be able to tap into you. Um, you know, I um, I'm getting better at doing audiobooks because my commute is 40 minutes, so I'm and I'm being more cognizant of listening to something on the way on the way in that's going to provide um, personal or professional growth. Even in terms of hiring, because I know this is something that you know, you know have in common with uh, our businesses, mm-hmm. um, is we hire on behalf of other companies. But how about in terms of hiring for your own? Do you feel like it's harder? And what have you? What lessons have you learned on the way to getting the right team in place? Well, don't don't focus on hiring what you can afford. Um, hire who's a good fit and who has maybe aptitude. Um, you know, I've I've hired individuals that uh, had zero experience, but I loved how they made me feel. They were from ho- hospitality, um, and um, and that ended up working out really well. Um, you know, we have we run our company with the EOS traction um, uh, methodology, so that kind of takes a whole different aspect into hiring that we weren't really doing a few years ago, and then even taking it up a level from there. That it's not just you know waiting them, but Let's let's get even a little deeper with some tools and culture fit, personality fit, because we have a phenomenal culture. Like I have my team members coming up and saying, "This is not normal." Like so, I'm always like, "When is it going to fall?" Right? <laughs> I, I've always been that way. That's why I work so hard. Is I think it's all going to end tomorrow. Um, and uh, and I well, really, that just means you don't take anything for granted. Absolutely. Every day I back out, I I actually am like, "How freaking lucky am I?" And I said that at my house in Hopkins. I say it here. Um, I've I always have a lot of gratitude, um, but um, uh, what was I talking about before that? Oh, the hiring. Thank you. <laughs> this is the way my brain works. Um, yeah, I think that we're. I think what what we're most concerned about is uh, you know right now is those catalysts for growth, um, and um, I I think that no matter what, no hire is worth. A culture shift, and we've experienced that, and we've fired to that. We've made some major mistakes. We've held on to some people too long. Uh, traction has helped with that. Um, but I always say your culture is like there's a creek back there. You can't see it, but um, the the culture is like that creek where the reeds can detach and they can move around and they can create a blockage. And if you're not constantly looking and managing that creek you could have a major issue. And culture is just like that. You have to look at it. You have to have your ear to the ground. You have to meet with your team. You have to make sure that you know what's going on, not just assuming, um, to ensure that it that it maintains its glow, right? Absolutely. I think, I think a strong leader has the pulse of the culture. Yeah. I mean, I remember I wasn't in the office one time very long, very long ago, and I'm like, 
came in and talked to my brother, and I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like, I, f- I feel weird. And Sean, you know, Sean's a dude, and he's like, no, everything's fine. And I'm like, not everything's fine. And and lo and behold, there was an issue, right? And so then I was just kind of sniffing it out like a hound and trying to flush it out. And um, there's, but, the, there's the, the female intuitive nature. For sure. Yes. We're way more Shut aware. Yes. What is the most practical piece of advice um, maybe that your dad ever gave you? Oh, um, I would say it's not even advice. It's it's more of just do what's right. It's more of the do all your work by the Rotarian four-way test. I remember we had, you know, when Sean and I came in, the company was in in the red within like maybe six months because my dad didn't have enough people billing to cover our $60,000 a year salary. And um, uh and we had we took about six months to learn the business, and um, I think it was like even just slightly after that area where you know you're you're hungry for business, you need something to come in. We had sat down with um, someone that he knew really well and trusted, and and wanted us to work on a big project, which is great. Um, and then my dad found out who was running the project, and this person took kickbacks and were very unethical. My dad just said, "Nope, done. Like nothing, nothing is ever worth." The uh, compromise of your morals and ethics. I think that was the major driver I got. Mm-hmm. So, does he ever pop into the business nowadays? No. Oh, well, he passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you find? Um, are you more energized by one business over the other? Or how do you? How do you? How do you get your energy throughout the day? Well, I get my energy from my team at ODG. Going in there, like I don't have to go in every day. I I choose to go in yeah. because I want the interaction. I want to see the people. I want to hear the successes. I want to navigate the issues. That, that maybe it's like I'm just that needy. I want to feel needed. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I I like going in and just chatting. I don't chat too much, but I just I I like the energy. I don't know about you, but I could never work from home. No. I would still be in pajamas if I worked from yes. home. It would not go well. It would not go well. And I, my house would be probably amazingly clean. I don't have the discipline. I see, like, I'm a squirrel. So I would end up doing 100 projects and, like, one of them would be work. You'd be able to uh, like in that regard. I, I tried working from home for a couple of days in a row and it was just the worst experience. Yeah. Like, I, I actually get my energy off of other people. Yeah, same. And then, and then when it's at the end of the day, there's a reason I live here. I have amazing neighbors, but I when I'm here, I just shut down, right? I'm just this like is your sanctuary. It is. It's like, ah, uh, you know, I love having people over for sure, but I'm super, super okay just going outside, having a glass of wine and just listening. Right? That's kind of I for sure I'm a convenient extrovert where I can be on all day long, but then at but then I'm super okay just just being. Mm-hmm. Right? Just being. Before we move into our little lightning round, Heather, anything no, else that you want to share with our listeners? Any other words of wisdom? Oh, just start. You know, I think that's where a, a lot of people get held up. And I was just chatting with someone the other day. If it, if it's a career change, if it's a business, um, and if you want a business plan, I have an amazing one that I've like. I've helped people quit their jobs and do their own things. I love that. I'm like, oh my god, you did it right. Like, I know you're way more talented than. Than what you're doing, right? You have a bigger vision. If you need a business plan, I have one that I share with everybody. But we put so many hurdles in front of ourselves that you don't even realize you put your own blinders on. Um, and if you, whether it's 
meeting with someone that you trust or a business coach or a life coach, they can for sure help you um, remove them and and then just start. Action is everything. Thinking is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite stories of blinders that's social is, you know, uh, Rhett and I have a boat over in Excelsior. And it's like our cabin. It has a little, little cabin cuddy in it. And uh, that's our cabin on the lake. Um, and uh, his brother Eric had just gotten this gorgeous speedboat. I mean, he was so proud of it. And he was coming over to show us because we had just gotten this boat, just like perfect timing, and we're just right across the bay from each other. And he drove up and he, like, the look on his face was like we kicked his puppy because he just looked at that boat and he was like, and mine's like a 79 cruiser. It's just a piece of crap, but I love it. So it wasn't anything special. He had the sexy boat. And uh, he looked at it and he's like, oh my God, I've always wanted a cabin cruiser. I've always wanted a boat like that. Why didn't I ever think I could have it? Why did I get why did I get this boat? Like why why did I have all these blinders? And within like 3 or 4 months he had a boat like right next to us. That's beautiful. But he couldn't see it. And I was just like and I looked at Eric and I go, "You know what maybe scared like should scare the shit out of all of us is what else is on there that you don't even know that you wanted that you couldn't that you like you've told yourself you can't have." That's funny because on my way here, I was listening to a podcast and this gentleman who's 52 years old um, got a a really piece of advice from his grandmother when he was in his 20s. And she shared with him that she doesn't think that, you know, she would do anything differently. But yes, there were some major regrets in her life. And every time there was a fork in a road, the way that she described it, there was there was this sort of practical side of her that said, this is the right thing. This is the responsible thing. But then there was the young girl that said, let's go over here and play. Let's go over here, whisper over here and play. And she said to her grandson, I wish I would have listened to that little girl. Yeah. Because I think so many times we're, we're choosing the thing that we think is the most responsible Mm -hmm. when in reality, like, choosing the joy, you know, going back to uh, happiness versus joy. Right. Choosing the joy because, right, if you were, I mean, I don't know this is morbid, but if you had one year left to live, if you got that, you know, that dreaded um, diagnosis from the doctor, would you continue doing the things that you're doing today or would you change? Oh, I would, yeah. And that's, I think I would, because I always love building things, I would do what I'm doing today, but I would sure as heck travel a lot more over the next year. Um, but I think, you know, for, for yeah, I, I've i always done what I want. And that's what I can tell about you. Yeah. Not, and that's, that's the fork in the road. Yeah, I've never felt the risk. And, you know, Crooked Water, like... I've put mo- a lot of retirement dollars that should have gone into that into Crooked Water, and you know what? I'm okay with it because I can also be just fine in a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need a lot. I get more excited about opportunity than I do ever about playing it safe. Um, and, and to me, it's not even safe. It's just it's just not the right opportunity. Well, I hope there's someone listening out there today that that really takes that message to heart and decides to. Stop overthinking and just go for it. Yeah, take the other fork. So, um, Heather, a couple couple things that we just want to know about you. Sure. Um, 
What is a book that you've read in the last five years that you recommend most to others? So I don't read a lot of books. However, well, same thing. (laughs) I actually call that reading a book and my boyfriend makes fun of me. So I'll tell you what I have read. I'm reading the Thank You for Being Late Right Now. I am read. I just read uh, Michelle Obama's Becoming, um, and I am also reading right now The Outliers. But then I think for business, the um, Lean Startup is a great one, and <clears throat> the Blue Ocean Strategy. Perfect. What's your favorite app and why? I hate social media. <laughs> hate it. <laughs> you heard here. What? Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yeah, I do it for businesses, but I I also think it's the biggest thief of happiness. And when I go down a spiral, I effing hate it yes. because then it, it makes you not appreciate what you have, and yes. and something is always greener on the other side, and that's just so not true. Um, I, I I can't even say like Instagram. I I I use it more as like a photo album. Um, I don't know. I I don't like social media. An organizational app. No, that I probably should though. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll come back. We'll we'll talk about that one again. Yeah, maybe six months from now. What's a fun fact people would never guess about you? Oh, um, I love tablescaping. I love entertaining, and I love like I'm even doing an event at Lafayette as a contest this Friday for a charity, and I'm tablescaping with Mercy uh, Restaurant and. I like I have these huge elaborate tables. I it's it's totally the mom and my mom and me. Okay. But I love <laughs> I love setting a table and okay. cheese boards. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> what uh what time do you wake up in the morning? Uh because of the boyfriend sets the alarm, 6:45, 6:30, 6:45. I don't get out of bed until 7:15. He brings me a coffee, which he's amazing oh. every morning. Yeah. Uh and then at 7:15 I'm up and starting the day, probably in the office by um 8:30. Nine. Beautiful. Well, Heather, can't thank you enough for your time today and just yeah, sharing you. your uh, your inner genius. Um, and we just appreciate you know all the all the nuggets from you today. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's fun to be on this. Thanks for joining us on Core Talent Connects. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app and share this episode with a friend or colleague. Hi, I'm Laura King from Core Talent. I'd like to invite you to visit coretalent.com to learn more about how Core Talent accelerates business growth through people. That's C-O-R-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. And if you're interested in having me speak on a panel or at your next event about the evolution of recruiting, modern workplace culture, retention, or employee engagement, please drop me a note at alking at coretalent.com or ping me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.